0: This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. In order to legally call yourself an architect, you have to pass a grueling series of exams while collecting three years of very specific work-related experience. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, taking the ARE. Today's episode is brought to you with support from Sherwin-Williams. Hi everyone, I'm Bob Borson, and I'm Andrew Hawkins, and today we're talking about the Architectural Registration Exam, better known in architectural circles as the ARE. Since Andrew and I are old farts, we brought in someone a bit younger to assist us with today's topic, someone who has just recently gone through the process of taking the ARE and did so well, he, along with the help of his friend and roommate at the time, Adam Denias have worked with the Dallas Chapter AIA to implement and improve upon existing ARE success teams. Welcome back to the show, my former podcast co-conspirator, Landon Williams.
1: Hello, hello. Glad to be here.
0: I know, it's just familiar territory for you. I love it. Okay, so we're here to talk about the ARE, which is really the reason I wanted to have Landon on the show. Landon is a pretty young guy. You know, when it comes to taking the exams, he kind of got to it. So, Landon, I don't want to put you on the spot, but how old are you?
1: 26 as of today. At, to oh, no, what? I, like, it how, like that. I was like, what's your birthday? Like what? <laughs> uh, yeah, 26 now. I started taking them and when I was 24. Is that right? Yeah, I was 24 when I started taking them. Yeah, how so long was,
0: after you graduated did you start the process?
1: That was about a year out of school. Actually, no, it was less than a year. I must have been eight months, eight months out of school. Eight months out of school. There. I started around November, then finished up at least the next November or September. Yeah. So it took about a year. That's an interesting thing to me. I was unaware of
2: now you can start to take the test before you're finished with your experience. Is that right. true? Oh yeah. Was your goal to time it out so that it was all finished at the same time?
1: Yeah. I kind of knew as I was accumulating hours, like during what I did in an internship, I knew I wasn't going to finish the AXP portion or I guess what was the IDP? It's um, AXP now. AXP oh, now. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to finish with that just based on the content areas that you have to get done, like construction administration. I didn't have a lot of hours in that. I didn't, wasn't working on projects where I would get that, so I knew I was going to finish, try to wrap up the exams because that's something I could definitely get done. Just because I don't have to depend on other projects coming in or working on certain sure. certain things. So the last thing I had to do were the hours, so I I had to wait around. Oh more really? less For the hours? Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> I feel like that's so, the worst part. It's like I'm done with the
2: exams. Oh,
1: yeah, I have to exactly yeah. like ship yeah. away at the construction. But that's hours. a little.
0: That's a little. I don't know the right way to put it because for us, we when we took it and I'm not making this a when we took it versus what it is now, mm-hmm. but you couldn't even start the process of taking the exams until you had had all your experience. Oh, well, Yeah, yeah. all, all those hours had range. to
2: be completed before you could even yeah. take the first test. Yeah, and then you'd submit That's it, oh, and right, then right, they'd right. get
0: around eventually coming <laughs> so back and saying, yeah, saying okay. <laughs> okay, you're eligible to now start taking the licensing exam. Right. So the idea of taking the test when you're 24, inconceivable for people. Right. You yeah. know, I don't know how recently they changed it. It's not really important, but
1: yeah, I know the at least the the one where you can get the IDP hours or the XP hours, you could get it during school change. While I was in school, like you used to, I guess not be able to get your intern hours. Well, for a while they
2: were fifty percent credit for
1: every hour. Oh. You only got thirty minutes right. worth of time, right, and right, they
2: changed right. that so that you could get full credit.
0: I will say that the changes that Ncarb appears to be making, since I'm not sit behind the closed door meetings, right? But the, you're changes, not on the board. I'm not on the board yet. Their loss, their <laughs> loss. If you hear that, we're. <laughs> uh, Andrew's volunteer. Application. No, the point I was trying to get around to was they appear to be trying to make the test more logical. I won't say easier to pass, like they're asking easier questions, but they're, they're not going out of their way to make this as grueling. Right. It really needs to be about how can we prove that and demonstrate that you have the capability that we need you to have rather than this kind of hazing element that the test historically has been kind of known for. Yeah, right. I think the word that I would use is they're making
2: it more accessible.
1: That's one good point about the change. Just recently, they went to the 5.0 versus 4.0. So I took a couple of the tests in the 4.0 version and just kind of navigating physically taking the exam. There are some of the programs they used. where you had to do the, the larger case study things. It was very much having to learn how to use their software because it was all proprietary. And it was like using a Windows 95, like oh, yeah. almost like type in a command to draw a line kind of thing. And it was half the trouble with the exam was just figuring out how to <laughs> how to work the software, no joke, like site planning. That's what we did. That's what we did. It was and I'm pretty
2: sure that's, well, so that's the big one of the biggest reasons I know I failed some sections. Yeah. Because I was doing AutoCAD commands right. and I would erase half the work i yep. have just
1: done. That's a big step. They also started to include more resource-based, like this, the material you study, you're actually looking at books. Literally use the same diagrams from some of the resources they point to in their ARE guide. So if you go and look at the 5.0 guidelines, they actually list the resources you should most likely look at.
0: So the test is currently ARE 5.0, which Andrew was doing a little research, and apparently there wasn't 1.0 or 2.0. Really? Yeah, they started at 3.0. They started at 3.0. Three, <laughs> 3 just sounds better than two. Well, I'm sure they had. A, they called it a different name. And yeah, like, I think that's kind of They just was. rebranded
2: it. And I think that 3.0 actually was the first computerized test. And so they started with that at 3.0. Hmm. There you go. In 1997.
0: So 5.0, and I, you know, because I, I, I like to do my research as I'm it's famous. I'm famous for. <laughs> there's currently six sections on the exam. Right. And I thought I'd just kind of rattle through them real quick. Mm hmm. There's practice management, and it could be fun. I could say, yeah, I'm just going to do it. So there's practice management. Its current published passing rate is 51%, and it's a 2-hour and 45-minute long exam. There's project management, and its passing rate is 62%, and it has a 3-hour and 15-minute long exam. And then we have programming and analysis, 53% passing rate. That's terrible. 3 hours and 15 minutes. Project planning and design, 46% passing rate. That's the Mm. lowest one, which I was a little surprised at. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit. Four hours and 15 minute exam time. That's a long test.
1: Yeah, that's a big one.
0: Project development and documentation, passing rate of 53%, four hours and 15 minute exam time and construction and evaluation passing rate of 70% clearly that's the easy one at 70%
1: yeah by far the easy it's kind of hard to when you talk about studying for each one because that one is such a small exam in terms of content and it's almost like they should have spread out the content to other exams but they like only have five reason,
0: exams and take that one and just spread yeah, right. it throughout the others
1: but it, and it's just the only the only anomaly right now in 5.0 one thing big thing they have done from 4.0 to 5.0 is change up what content it's covered in each test. So it's interesting you listed the way that NCARB lists them out because it's almost chronological when you think about a project. Mm -hmm. So you think about practice management, you're framing, your... I
0: assume that that was on purpose.
1: Right. And so that's what they kind of try to do. They kind of like try to put the content in the areas that which you would tackle a project or set up the framework for your practice.
0: Yeah. That one is a three-hour and 15-minute exam. Right. And I added all that up. And that is if you said, I'm going to take every test. From start to finish, like they would just let you roll from one test into another, mm. 21 hours. That's how long that is. Bit beating. It's pretty bad. That's almost a day. <laughs> almost a day. Almost you a day. You felt a little tested. short.
1: Yeah. I know some people have done at least four or five of them in one weekend, just did them all, or not all of them, but.
0: So the test version that Andrew and I, because we actually took the same version of the test when we got licensed, it was 33 hours worth of tests. Mm hmm. And we were kind of chuckling a little bit before you arrived because there were huge graphic components of the exam. Right. A lot of vignettes that had to do. And one of the tests I had had to do with laying out a parking lot. Oh, yeah. I think it was a 30 minute vignette. Mm -hmm. Maybe 40. I, I want to say it was 30 minutes. And I laid it out and I was like, nailed it. It was like, I thought this was really easy. And I had like 10 minutes left of my 30. And I counted my parking spots. And I was short one. Oh, no. And so I had to erase everything. And I was like, oh, my God, it took me 20 minutes to do this first one. And I couldn't just, like, add it on. I didn't have the layout didn't allow me just to, like, add on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I had to blow the whole thing up and start over. And that was a nice way to start that test out with a panic, like, scramble.
1: That almost exact same thing happened to me in one of the 4.0 tests. You had to do a vignette at the end. You had to lay out a parking. And they had different requirements. Like, they wanted to be 300 feet from this statue or something and so i ended up laying the whole thing i was like oh man it's perfect you know i had five minutes left just kind of cruising around and then i went and found, it was like 295 feet i was like encroaching in this radius around this statue i'm like <laughs> no so i had to like relay out And it was the program like i was saying before it was so archaic it would it took that five minutes just to
2: the bad thing i think about those situations you don't really know
1: well is that five feet really gonna make me fail exactly
2: like, how much of a deduction is that is that a Ten point deduction, or is that a four hundred point right. deduction? Oh yeah, and you just have
0: no clue anymore about like I always we were took taking, it. Like,
2: what is what is it? What is it? But I always hmm. took
0: if they said it needs to be thirty parking spaces or three hundred feet away, that that's a fail.
2: Yeah, I would assume those right. those listed criteria were like if you didn't meet those, it was an automatic deal. Yeah,
0: I'm you're sure, done. Right. I have a feeling that at least in those because those are very and when we had the building design one, there's fifty moving parts, and they probably said of the fifty moving parts, these five are the instant killers. Yeah. And the rest of them just have like, nah, that's not that great, but we're only going right. to deduct a little bit for that.
2: Yeah. And typically they only gave you like eight or nine things.
0: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say that since we're going to be talking about the ARE with some specificity a little bit, I think we should take a minute and talk about our own experience with the exam. Mm-hmm. Not from a, it was way harder when I took it, you know, 20 years ago, not from that standpoint, but just. A lot of people take the test. Some people struggle with it more than others. Some people just have like one test that they just can't seem to get past. And they like passed all these other ones right out of the gate. And then just this one is their Achilles heel and they just it can't just seem to beating get it. Them up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll kick this off. So I didn't start taking the exam until I was about 29 years old. It sounds bad now. It wasn't as bad before because I couldn't take the test. I have a, an April birthday. And so I think I was 24 when I graduated from college, so I couldn't even start until I was 27. At at a minimum. At a minimum. Right. And it took me a long time to get some of the experience that I needed because I worked at a very small firm, and some of the work that we did was mostly interiors-based, and I couldn't get some of the things that I needed. So it took a while before I could even start taking the exam. But I took two years from start to finish to take the test. Mm Mm-hmm. And I passed them all when I took them. I didn't fail any of the sections of the test. Once I became eligible to take it, I still kind of sat around for about two years. And I started changing jobs, actually, because I thought, I'm not qualified to take the test. I don't know from my practical experience. I don't know how to be an architect. You know, when we're doing interior work, I was like, I don't know how to keep water out of a building. How can I possibly pass this exam? And now I tell people that has nothing to do with anything just get the study guides and study it and you'll be fine. Really doesn't have that much, or I shouldn't say that since maybe NCARB might listen to this, but it doesn't have as much to do with the practical experience, the test taking portion as you might think not having taken the test yet, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. yeah. but then and, and I, I would agree to an extent. So I started, I was like, I need to go to a bigger firm. This actually kind of corresponds with Job changes that I had that we've talked about, but we never really linked them to why I was necessarily changing those jobs. Like, I never put the I'm not a proper architect to that narrative, but I started going to a bigger firm because I thought I need to learn how to build buildings. I need Mm -hmm. to learn how to keep water out of a building because how am I going to pass the test otherwise? So, I started changing jobs. And as I started taking the exam, I ended up back at a smaller firm. And there was a period of about a year because my schedule was I took one test per month and I did that. And this was, there were nine tests mm-hmm. at that time. So I think I took like four tests and it took like five months to get those four tests done. And then work got really busy and it was me and one other person in the office doing all the work. And I just couldn't, we were working like 70, 80 hour weeks. I just didn't have the time to study. Yeah. And so for about a year, I couldn't take any tests. And then things finally kind of got back into control. And then I took the last chunk of exams. Do they still have it to where if you fail a test, you have to wait six months? No.
1: It's not six months. It's, I think, maybe, it's like a month or something like that. It's not six months. Yeah, it's not six months anymore. Yeah. It's like a month. There is a period of time, but but not much.
0: Well, that six months figures into Andrew's story that I know. One of the questions that I'll ask you, it had to do with, is there a proper sequence in order which you can take the exams? Because when I took it before, the kind of grab bag exam that you were mentioning earlier, Mm Mm-hmm. We had one of those. It was called pre-design. And I took it first because I thought, that's the first step in the process. And that was the grab bag work. I took the test and I came out and went, there's no way I passed that test. They were asking me questions. I go, it had nothing to do with pre-design. Right. Like, I wasn't prepared. And I learned later that the recommendation was to take that test last because by studying for all the other tests, you've essentially studied for the pre-design test. Oh, yeah. Which made no sense to me. (laughs) Now, luckily, I didn't fail it. I did pass it. I always thought I saved the two tests that I thought would be the worst for me. There was a general structures and a long span structures part of the exam, which they don't have those now, do they?
1: Very little structures involved. Yeah.
0: Those were the killers. Yeah. And so I saved those for last because I went, those are going to be the ones that are going to be hardest for me. And then I thought, why did I wait till the end? Because if I fail them, now I got to sit around for six months and wait and before I can take them again. Because that structure, that was the one that killed everybody, it seemed. That was one of the sections that was, how many trust questions are there going to be? Or how many calculations am I going to have to do? Yeah. Guess how many trusts I've designed since then? Zero. And they're like, oh, this member right here, is it in tension or compression? I'm like, what?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The answer is yes. It's
0: one of those right (laughs) guys. I'm pretty tense right now. 50% chance of getting that one right. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so it's crazy. So, Andrew, your story, I think, is... Very, I think it's different, but I think it's important for people That's well, very different, yeah. So I took the
2: test under duress. I had found out that the firm that I was working at, my boss had come down ill. I mean, he had brain cancer. And so he started to deteriorate, and I didn't have my license. And so I decided I was going to get that taken care of. So I actually finished all mine up in a period of about eight months. What? Nine sections like Bob. And there was a six-month break in there because I failed some sections. So I failed the three drawing design sections. And I'm going to say most of that was due to the software issue that we were talking about earlier. And one right. of those was like 12 hours. Yeah, one of them was oh, really long. It was yeah. a 12-hour exam. It Jeez. was pretty bad. But I took the tests, And actually, I mean, I didn't. there wasn't a six-month break in reality. There was a six-month time period where I wasn't taking those exams. But I think there was really only about a four-month break. I took some more after I failed those two because I just had to keep going and then when that six month period was up I took I think I took three in the same weekend that I failed all the same weekend that's crazy pass them all and get them done I'll be honest the first time around maybe I didn't study that much for those exams because I was like well they're just drawing man I do that stuff every day it's not a big deal and once I looked at the study material, I was like, yeah, oh, I can kind of see why I failed. <laughs> right, cause it wasn't just the software, but there were things that, that were important that weren't about design, which now that's not the case. But back when you did some of those drawing vignettes, it wasn't really about design. It
0: was about meeting the criteria. and. Yeah, I would say it had nothing to do with design. In fact, people would recommend to you. Yeah, don't try to design anything. Don't worry about the design because you're not being judged on the quality of the design. Just did you solve the problem? Did you meet the parameters? As long as the chair was three feet away from something, it doesn't matter if it was facing anything. Yeah, like it it could have been looking out that window if you'd done a better view, but you didn't. But guess what? It's three feet away from where it needs to be. Exactly. Your story is important, though, because it starts off. I've gotten this email a lot. There's two opinions out there about, hey, just go take the test, you know, right out of the gate. Just go take them all because you never know, you might pass a couple of them and just be done with them instead of saying, oh, I'm going to spend a month or two months or whatever is mm-hmm. preparing and then go take the test. Well, Andrew's story suggests that he just kind of launched into it and did pretty well. You know, didn't pass them all. Right. You know, but passed a couple of them just by just going there and taking the test. Yeah. It's the cost. That's the reason why I hear people sometimes yeah, say. They're expensive. Is the tests are so expensive that they don't want to be cavalier about just going there and saying, I'm going to plunk down right. $1,200 just but to see not, if I pass the test. A, it's not $1,200. It is
2: as a whole, but just to take one, it's what, 100 and No, but if dollars, you go in there and take like, them all. Well, yeah. And see which ones you pass and don't. $235. I was going to say $2, 300, 235 300 But the one thing I will say about that whole process, I mean, I did study. I studied a week for one test, a week for the next test. Right. Being in a small firm. I actually learned a lot through the process of studying and taking the exams about the profession. Even if you think you know everything, I think you still learn going through that process
0: of studying and taking the exams. Well, I felt like I didn't know anything, which is what kept me from taking the exams for as long as they Mm -hmm. did. And I had this huge dread because in my mind, and I still feel this to this day, our finish line is getting our license. In order for you to be an architect, you have to take that test and get that license. And if you don't have the license then you're not an architect just because you went to architecture school. That may not be a very popular opinion, but I go, that's not our finish line. Graduating from college is not our finish line. Taking the test, passing it, and getting the license, that's the finish line. I mean, I would agree. And so I felt like I had this huge monkey on my back about, you're not done. You haven't done it. And I just started putting more and more pressure on myself, and it just became this huge kind of oppressive dark cloud that hung over me. Right. And I was the old guy here, I think. I was older than
2: both of you by the time I finally got it done. Yeah. So I had that pressure.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, the thing about it is when I finally did take the test and I passed it and I got that final notification,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how excited do you think I was?
1: You were like, thank God it's done.
0: I wasn't excited at all. You, you were right. like me. Yeah. I was yeah. kind of like, big deal. I should already have already been licensed. Like That's right. funny. This is, I, this is not. I was excited. And you excited?
1: I was a little, yeah. Yeah. Right. I was, they, I, was I was in the car.
0: I was in the car. I yeah, have a, they give I have you a, a picture a... the moment he found out that <laughs> oh, he that's passed the
1: official pass. Yeah.
0: Nice. We were driving down to a project in San Marcos and he goes, yep. "Oh my god. I got notification. I'm a I'm a licensed architect." And I was like, "Hold on. We have a selfie yeah. the two of us nice. in the car I at the moment." I think it's one
1: of my Instagram posts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. So, cool. what, this is about what about for remember around when you and I back? Now. <laughs> we had stone carvings yeah, of the, I to, to capture the moment.
1: Had a hieroglyph of your reaction. That's right.
0: So, what was your experience?
1: Well, I mean, I started pretty fast out of the gate. My friend Adam, he was, like, super excited to get started. He's like, I'm going to pass all these. I was like, kind of like, I don't even know if I want to start doing this yet. But I figured, you know, out of school, I just moved to Dallas, so I had a lot of free time on my hands, I guess, after work. I wasn't working 80 hours a week, and that's one big thing, like, studying in the course of a month that has a lot to do with how much free time you have. I didn't have a lot of friends when I moved here, so I wasn't, like, going out and partying every weekend, so I had... Some time after work, like to Mm -hmm. dedicate to. It was a little sad, but I would, you know, (laughs) that's a big part of it. Like I wasn't having to deal with a kid or jumbling other things, like part time work. So he and I just kind of teamed up together and started tackling them. um, And we kept the same sort of pace and taking the exams every month. So we'd study for about four or five weeks and then take a week break and. I think we both finished them in about a year or a year and two months. So it was good to have a little camaraderie.
0: Did you take the same tests at the same time? Like, did you coordinate your schedules a little bit with yeah. what you were doing?
1: Yeah, we both, and a lot of it now, there's so much resources on the internet, it's kind of hard to distill a lot of it down. So it was, that was the big thing we kind of did in the beginning was to figure out what is our strategy for the course of the exams. And once we kind of came to an agreement, we're like, yeah, that makes sense for both of us. And we both kind of took the same path. We were in the transition area, so we did three in the 4.0 and then two of the big ones that are in the new 5.0, so that was, that's the way both of us did our exams. So that, it was helpful, especially having someone else to kind of feed off of, which is a big thing that Adam and I have been doing with the success teams at AIA Dallas, is it's a group of people that are all taking the same exams. They get together every week and bouncing off one another.
0: Life of an Architect will be back in just a moment. We are here today to drop some knowledge on a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Oh, what's that? Floripon 70% PVDF coatings from Sherwin-Williams.
2: For more than 50 years, Floripon coatings have been protecting monumental structures around the world. The Floripon family of coatings are field-proven for lasting durability and meet the most rigorous specifications in the industry. Floripon can be used on a
0: variety of exterior metal building products. The time-tested reliability of this product, paired with Sherwin-Williams Innovation, means the only limit is what you can dream up.
2: Sherwin-Williams Coil Coatings leads the industry when it comes to color innovation for coil and extrusion coatings. Their advanced color matching technology allows architects to match nearly any color imaginable. They are continually creating new color spaces that have never existed before for coil and extrusion coatings.
0: Whether you're looking for solid, mica metallic, special effect, or print, they can formulate the perfect color for any building project need
2: architects provide the vision they'll create the reality
0: get inspired today and request an architectural metal color card at www.coil.sherwin.com forward slash architects life and andrew i don't know if you did this or not but when i was taking the test there was old school bulletin boards online you know, There's no graphics or anything, and you know, you're really not supposed to talk about the test right, after yeah, you've taken it, but content. everybody was talking about the test. So you could go to this bulletin board, and people who had taken the test or were in the process of taking the test right. would post questions, and other people would get answers, and you can kind of read it, and it became this community of, hey, other people are going through this at the same time that I'm going mm-hmm. through it. Maybe I can kind of see what I'm about to get myself into. Right. Now, the difference was, while yours is a success team, Mm -hmm. These are all beleaguered, disenfranchised, (laughs) malcontents that were going on and saying this test is the worst. I've taken it 50 times and I can't pass it. Eventually, I stopped going because I thought these people are doing badly because they're not doing what they should be doing to find success. So that's one of the things that I think with the program that you and Adam put together Mm -hmm had to do with it's really a strategy about how do you prepare to take the test to increase your the likelihood that you're going to find success
1: right aia dallas already had the success teams in place but it was you know it was just the people taking the test and they would get together and so they're both they're all kind of looking at the internet like what is the best strategy so having to figure out for themselves but what adam and i have done we became mentors for the program so we'd actually suggest strategies for what is the you know what's the most likely scenario in which you would pass these exams, you know, in what order you should take them based on content overlap. So that was kind of like we would get together every month with those teams and just talk about throw things off. Since we've taken some of the exams, it's kind of just learning from someone who actually has the experience rather than just throwing a bunch of people into the wind and letting them figure it out on their own.
0: I think you're discounting it maybe a little bit because, because I'm aware of the success teams and I had, Mm. And it used to be run by the Associates Group, right? Yes. And really, it was more of a way to help share the study resources. Oh, right. Yeah. So really, they would break them up. And I used to say, "This is this is literally like the worst possible program ever I've seen." Because, sorry, Dallas AIA, (laughs) uh, but not sorry. Because what they would do is they would set up the success teams with how many people wanted to participate, and then they would say here's eight people in this group and each person would be taking a different section of the exam. And cause they're like, well, there's eight right. sections of the exam or nine or whatever it was at the time. And they're like, so that's how big the group would be. Each success team was made up by however many number of sections of exams they were. So that like, if there were three section exams, I would get the test material for section one. Mm-hmm. You would get it for section two and Andrew would get it for section three. We'd all take the test and we'd rotate study materials. Right. And I was like, that's not the right way to do it. Why don't you say this group, like have eight groups that every person gets the same study material. Right. So this group of eight has all the study material for one. That group of eight has all the study material for section two. Yeah.
1: They finally learned that and that's the way it's sort of set up. I think now that um, NCARB is getting away from say like ballast-based study material, oh no, not that they're guiding that, but They're giving out the book resources, like the direct sources. And we should, I'm going to interrupt you. Just
0: for people who are getting into it, the ballast that you mentioned, it's a guy named Ken Ballast. Mm -hmm. He had like the definitive study guide, and there really weren't even like study guides. They were just like content.
1: And now it's PPI. It's not ballast anymore, I think.
0: And they're dense.
1: They are. I I use them for the two 5.0 exams, the PPD and the PDD, just because it's a giant, huge list of stuff you have to learn. So it's... It very much dials into every little thing you could possibly get questioned on almost.
2: Do you remember a guy named Norman Dorff? Of
0: course. Professor Dorf.
2: Yeah. He was a big deal back when we were taking the tests about having the knowledge to pass the test. Mm -hmm. I mean, he gave sessions at conferences. I mean, in TXA, I think I saw him once to talk about it. Back then, he was the big guy. Yeah. Now now I feel like, though, I think the struggle, if I was to take it now, is that there's almost an That's
1: exactly right. Yeah.
2: Of resources, and so you're like, well, which one do I do? Because there's every time you turn around, there's another person trying to sell you their information or method of doing it, right? And it's like, it's almost, yeah, and it's it's almost too much.
0: Which we're not going to talk about those ones because I don't want to hear from their attorneys. (laughs) No,
2: no, yeah, I'm not going to. I mean, I I'm not going to bring those up either. But I'm just saying, it seems like back when we took it, there was two or three that you had to choose from, and now there's probably forty. Different yeah. ones it's not making be like, things yeah. better, yeah. Or yeah, easier. That's yeah. part
1: of the mentoring aspect: is not only what's the best strategy for taking the test, but also what resources, materials might prove the best for you to use, rather than trying to do all of them. Because doing all of them, impossible.
0: Yeah, I was gonna throw in there about Norm Dorf. We were talking about like study material. Getting it was not as easy as you might think. Mm-hmm. So I want to say the AIA published some books. They were not very nutrient dense. Let's say, mm-hmm. like you would have to read three paragraphs to get the one fact that you would highlight. Oh, And I thought, I don't have time for this. Right. And then the bowels books, you would literally highlight every word on every page <laughs> for the fact that was on there. Yeah. There was a like airy flash mm-hmm. was a company that made flashcards flash cards. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which were cool. I ended up making my own flashcards. I of mean, I probably, if I'd stacked them up, of course he still has them. Well, I have bad, I have of bad short term memory. Something that Andrew likes to make fun of me for. Thanks, because he's a jerk.
1: You remember that? Uh-huh. You remember he did that, though? He literally just
0: did it. That's why.
1: <laughs> he had to remind you. No, because I'm
0: looking at him. Yeah, <laughs> I made my own because right. it's just rote memorization of these, yep. this information. Mm-hmm. But I remember my interactions with Professor Dorf was you got practice vignettes, practice tests. Mm-hmm. And you would, he would mail them to you. They were paper. Mm-hmm. And you would like fill them out. He also did the electric versions because that's when I took the test. So I wasn't getting paper ones, but he would grade them for you. He would say, here's where you didn't do right. And that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You could call him on the phone. Oh, I know. And, and like, he hey. would answer the phone. This is Norm. <laughs> I'm like, I blew my mind. That's that sweet. This guy. That, hey, um old man. He was sit back super. Yeah. He was so great. Yeah, he was. So nice. Very yeah. helpful. Very calm. Exactly what you need when you're kind of freaking out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember asking him some questions that I'm sure we're just, I think back on it now and I go, that was a dumb question. (laughs) And one of them had to do with, Oh, 2% grade. I was on like my grading vignette. And I was like, well, how do I know how to, on the, the software to do a 2%? He goes, well, just draw a five foot radius circle and make sure that your lines don't touch. I was like, that's a really good idea. So now part of what I imagine Dallas AI is not unique in setting this up. Success team programs are kind of going around the country.
1: Yeah, they tend to happen in the ones that we know of are in the bigger cities just because it takes, you know, a certain amount of people that are taking the exam to kind of make sense for them to, to put that implemented in place. So Dallas is one of the big ones. I know that AI Austin has one, um, you know, obviously New York, things like that.
0: You know, it would be nice if there was like a resource somewhere that would let people know that this sort of program is available to them.
1: Yeah. AIA can promote it probably more.
0: Well, let's say that you're not heavily involved in the AIA. Mm -hmm. This would be an opportunity for the AIA to, you know, if they want to recruit people, is how do they get the message out and say, hey, we have these things that can actually be a huge benefit to you. Yeah. But if that message isn't being received by the person who's not in the AIA. So it seems like people like us. You get to email if you're already a member of Dallas AIA. Right, It that's comes true. through your
2: email, but if you're not, guess what? You yeah, don't know you, that that's happening. You
0: would never know that it's there. It would be nice if there was a resource that actually collected all this information in one place. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, NCARB, if you're listening, maybe it would be a good thing because so many people are going to their website for the resource. And, you know, when people ask me questions about it, I go, I took the test like 25 years ago. Go to this location. They have so much information, yeah. you'll get blurry-eyed. But they'll say, here are the resources across the country. So if you're in fill-in-the-blank city and fill the blank state, here's the closest location the closest to place. you where this can happen.
1: That would be helpful. It would be, wouldn't it? Incar, to their credit, have done a good job of actually participating in the online community. Like if people have questions, they actually have an entire blog dedicated to asking the people who write the exam the questions and so you get direct feedback obviously they're not giving away the answers but there there's enough guidance there that would be nice that would be the best there's there's that and they're also <laughs> That's is so a, helpful i a, know there's a facebook group uh, like the are community which is really helpful and it's a lot of people in it but at least it's a community of people to ask questions
0: okay so look we should talk about, because I know this is really what you want to advocate here, was how do you prepare for the test to increase the likelihood that you're going to find some success? I have my list of what mm-hmm. I did, and I still think it's applicable to this day because it's not rocket science. Oh, right, yeah. But it's about putting a program in place. My wife was traveling a lot at the time, mm-hmm. and I was still working. So I'd get home at 7 o'clock at night from work.
2: Did you have a kid yet?
0: No. That's a big difference. Mine
2: was... In the first year of her life when okay. I did all this.
0: Well, wow. no, I actually think that'd be easy. That wouldn't be as hard. You know why? I started the blog when Kate was a little kid. And you know why? Because I couldn't go out at night and she was in bed. So and I go, sleep. I have hours at night of just like, I'm captive audience. Interesting. So I go, if you have a kid, if it's a little kid, or it's not the other world. It like Depends on who tin? you are. This has to do with finding time in the evening. Right. And, okay. And, yeah. The structure you're, you're structuring. And so the program that I put it, cause I was worried that I, I wasn't prepared and I was just convinced that I was going to fail every single test. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that I did was about setting a schedule and sticking to it. Not just saying, Hey, when I find some time to study, I'll study for yeah, it.
1: Cause it'll never happen. It
0: never happens. So for me, it was every night, Monday through Thursday, I studied for two hours, seven to nine o'clock. And then I did not study on Fridays cause I go, I need to, I need to live a life. I need to do something that would be fun.
1: All the clubs are open. So.
0: That's when I need to get my rave on. clubs. <laughs> That's right. And then on the weekend, I had to do eight hours. And I could do it. I couldn't count the time if it was less than 30 minutes. hmm And I couldn't do a block less than two hours. Right. So I could either get all eight hours in on one day, or I could get two hours on one day and six hours on another. I do that for four weeks, and I took a test. And I will tell you that that level, I thought, I'm as prepared as anybody. When I would go to those bulletin boards I'd look at it, I go, I'm studying like way more than anybody else is.
2: I was going to say, you are. Yeah.
0: And to this day, I still I go, I prepared those more than anybody are else. Pretty big. Right. There's I mean, that's, huge that's chunks. Your whole weekend. Yeah. And I go, to get this done, this is what I felt like I needed. But I can tell you, when I took those tests, I walked in and walked out, with the exception of the very first one, going, it was super easy.
1: Yeah, and I think whenever I started taking my exams, you elaborated on this structuring your exam, like you know, doing one or two hours every night, and then you know, a chunk of time like six or eight hours on the weekend. And I did that for all of my exams. I just rigorously would study like one or two chapters from Ballast or whatever yeah. material I was using, um, and I had a pretty good. The idea is you're building some confidence by preparing or over preparing is better than under preparing. So it's for sure. Yeah. And and I know that's well, not I mean, always right. Yeah, and but it to, for anything.
0: But Just that up. was that was part of. I mean, that had to be part of my strategy because I had such anxiety about these tests since I'd already right. put them off for as long as I had. Oh, yeah. I thought there's a bit of a backlash to this because when you're overprepared, I walked in. It shows up later on my list on things I did, but I walked in going, "I've done everything I can do. I'm ready to take this test." Mm-hmm. And then I walked out and I was like, "Killed it." Now the concern I always had is if I didn't actually kill it. I go, what am I going to do next time? Like, what more could I have done? I didn't fail because I wasn't prepared. Mm -hmm. It would suggest that there's something else that I have to deal with other than how I'm studying or the amount of time I'm dedicating to this process. Right, yeah. But you didn't do that, Andrew. You just kind of, you sound like you were a skimmer.
2: When I decided to do it, I did have a schedule. I mean, I studied every night because I was in such a compressed time frame. I studied every night for probably... You know, two, three hours maybe. But I mean, that was only for a week or two. Yeah. Before I took the exams. I did have some structure. It was just, it was really more about, man, I got to get this done. Kind of ignored everything in my life for a time. Yeah. Because I was like. But it was a compressed
0: time, right? Yeah. So it was terrible, but it was terrible for a short, my short was, period of time. Mine right? was terrible for a lot longer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the other thing about it back in the old days when we the took it days. you had no clue sometimes it took six weeks before you got your results oh mm-hmm.
1: that
0: would be fast turnaround six weeks but now you
1: i wait six seconds yeah well it's a it's a preliminary pass. you get an indication of a pass yeah. fail before you even walk out that weren't that wasn't the case for the 4.0 test but, but now 5.0, the 5.0 But yeah. even the 4.0s you could get it faster mm-hmm. and so
2: you walk out and you feel like well either you either did okay or not but I didn't right. have the opportunity to just, yeah. I don't care. I got to go to the You're next one. You're already launching going. into the yeah, next process. There was no limbo no period time right. for me to worry about yeah. it. I just, I, was like, I took it. I got to go. I got to go do the next one. I, yeah. And it was just.
0: And they actually would mail you the results. Yeah.
2: Although actually, when I took it a couple of years later, you could go online. And that was one of the things that those forums helped out about was because what they would do at that time, because you couldn't take it in a bunch of locations either. So mm-hmm. they'd send off batches of the exams to the grading center, and so somehow somebody in that forum knew like, oh, it's batch time, so you should be getting your <laughs> scores in like two weeks because they sent them all off, and they oh, wow. had all the batch dates. And so if you knew where your test was, like if you just missed a batch date, it was gonna you're gonna, be pushed, you're gonna wait a lot longer. Wow.
1: But if you were right before, then you'd get no faster. picture someone scoped up around like around the NCARB headquarters, like with their Binoculars, looking like the pile of papers on Jim's desk is low. Yeah, I know. I don't know how (laughs) they're about to drop off some new ones,
2: but it was correct for me. It was again. I think it's the same. You have to be diligent about it. It's just mine was in a compressed time frame. Yeah, where I had to make sure that look, I've got to do this and take care of it.
0: I could, if I could go back and change one thing about the way that I did it, I probably would have put it on a three-week rotation rather than a four-week rotation for me. Because part of the reason it took me as long as it did is because I have. Short term, remember, like once it's in there, it's in there forever. But it's spotty. If I if someone just kind of blasts something out to me, I'm hit or miss on how much of it I retain. And so, note cards was I had to make my own note cards. So part of it was like week one was read the material. Week two was make the note cards. Mm-hmm. Week three was actually review the content that I had curated and made the study material from. Right. That was my process. That's what I went through, and that's part of the reason. I couldn't study for a week and do it because I couldn't go through what the process that I knew that I needed in order to find success. But anyone's taking the test now, they should know. I knew when I finally took the test, I knew that I couldn't study a week and take those tests. Hmm. I just, I can't retain that much information that quickly without, I mean, I'd have to put more than two hours a day into it. So here's my question that I always
2: ask people is like, are you fairly good at taking standardized tests? No, just normally.
1: I think I'm pretty good at it.
2: Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm right. I'm not I'm not gonna not I'm really good at it. I I have a some propensity to be able to do that. It doesn't stress me out, and I'm fine with it. And so I think that kind of helped in that. But I know that people that don't take mm-hmm. standardized tests well, they to me seem to typically freak
0: out even more
2: about oh, the yeah. area, right? Definitely, like just, it's even right. so much more. That was definitely
0: me. You know that whole saying: no one plans for failure; they just fail to plan. Mm-hmm. Right you know, that was for me, I knew that in order to find success, I had to over prepare because it wasn't just about learning the information. It was beating the demons inside <laughs> that were already telling me that you I was going to yeah. fail. Right. So I had to mentally get myself to where I was like, I've done everything I possibly could do. I'm completely mm-hmm. ready and prepared. And could I have passed the test with studying less? Probably without any doubt.
2: Right. Well, maybe, but maybe not because maybe that, but if it, but if having prepared helped you,
0: right? But that had you know nothing to do with the like content. It, yeah. That was yeah. I was like having to psych myself into a certain kind of State position of mind. to do it.
1: Yeah. 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 Right. So yeah, so there's a lot of gray area, but the idea is to set up structure. I think whether it be a one week, yeah, one week it is, period. Yeah, I think so. Studying for sure. three or four hours every day, or you know, spreading it out a little bit more. Yeah, structure but it's definitely right. yeah. set a schedule and stick, stick to,
3: to
2: it.
0: it. I think that's the thing. Stick to it. Yeah, yeah. boot camp. You know, it you can't you put you yourself just gotta under. Get done. Okay, and this is, and again, my list may not be your list, and you may disagree. So feel free. But I also think that for me, scheduling the tests first thing in the morning, and part of that for me had to do with every time I took the test, I took the very first test of the day, and I would schedule it, and it's because it gave me less time to start freaking myself out. So I basically got up, did my morning routines. Drove there, sat down, started the test. If I had to go do something for like three hours or four hours, I'd start thinking about it. I'd start reevaluating, like, what's my knowledge level? Like, I also don't prepare more. Do you ever see those people? I would see them. They would be last minute going through their notes or just hitting some study areas right before they walk. No chance I'll do that. Because in my mind, what if I see a question, I go, oh, God, I don't remember the answer to that one. Now I've just cracked my dam here. <laughs> and the water started to come through. Right. Oh, yeah. So I would get up, take the very first test. I would not do any last minute studying. I would finish it the night before, get a good night's rest, get up, go take the test first thing in the morning, get it done. And for me, that worked out great.
1: Yeah. I know. I mean, that's the kind of method I did, but Adam, my friend, Adam, he would go to a Starbucks in the morning and he would take his exam at like say noon, but he was like, read through his flashcards. I think it was just a meditating exercise for him yeah. almost. And you know, maybe it sparked some things that he didn't remember, but he was just kinda of like running through material really fast. I don't know if he was necessarily super intense about it, but it was He's kind just of,
0: trying to float it back up to the surface. Right.
1: That's exactly that was his strategy yeah. at least.
2: Mine was different because I had to drive. Like I couldn't take the test where I lived. Oh, live. did you have
0: to go to like Austin or something? Yeah.
2: So I would go sometimes I would take an afternoon test and I would spend the morning driving to the test or sometimes it depends. I would go the night before and I would take one test in the morning and one test in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that chance, but typically I'm a person that would just kind of peruse my study materials before if I had the time, mean, I'm not trying to cram it in. I'm just trying to, for me, it's more about getting my brain in that mindset of "Uh, here's the stuff I'm thinking about today, but it was just about putting yourself in the right mindset, which I think for you,
0: that's the point of this, is trying to Yeah, mine was to not the... undermine my confidence mm-hmm. by going through it and going, oh, God, I don't remember this. Right. That would have been a bad move
2: for me. I had some in the afternoon. I had some in the morning. I didn't have a preference, really. My preference was get it done when I could. The fact that I had to go somewhere else to do it was another layer on top of that, mm-hmm. like hours away, not like a different place in town.
1: I know some people, because they take the test in the Prometric centers, there's been such a backlog. Scheduling a test, you have to schedule it four months in advance. Now mm-hmm. they'll mm-hmm. even schedule things like there's one in Rockwall, which is I guess like a 45 minute drive from here. They would schedule way out middle of nowhere just because they want it on that day at this time.
0: Yeah, I heard about that. Some people were one of the locations was in downtown Dallas, and they're like, if I couldn't get it there, then they'd have to take the one that was just right around the corner from me. And you know, it's a 20. 20- minute drive 25 minute drive depending Mm -hmm. on day between those two spots yeah now the place i took it to was the one that was just right around the corner from where i live now but that was not where i was living at the time Mm -hmm. because there were not that many locations so it was like here's the one in dallas here's one in fort worth here's one in this town three communities yeah
2: exactly there wasn't as many places to take it either back then i don't Mm -hmm. think yeah i think it's just a matter of i mean definitely moving on to your next one definitely you got to get a good night's rest no matter what time your test is going to be, right? Get some sleep because staying up late and trying to cram for it is really not going to.
0: I kind of wonder if that was still as you. true. I mean, it was true when I did it because I was never a, everyone seems to, in architectural practice, they would go, oh, I've done 11 all-nighters so far this year. And I always thought, oh, then you're terrible at managing your time. <laughs> I never saw anybody do their best work past midnight ever. And so. Yeah. You, uh,
2: I'm not going to say. Um, really? Uh, no, there's a time. I would say two o'clock. So, well, but see, I mean, that's because I'm a different he, person. He's skewed though.
0: because he sleeps late in the day and stays up late at night. So, so that's our, like, But if you put DM? it like on a regular human being schedule, it's still it's kind of the same thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I agree. I think it's just it's about hours awake. Yeah. Really. So after you've been up
0: for 16 hours, yeah, your work
2: quality is not going to be really good.
0: Yeah. So if you know you're taking a test don't go to bed at three in the morning and get up at seven in the morning to go take your test. That's a bad move. Right. Right.
1: What a professor would say, don't even show up to your uh, critique. If you're going to stay here till like 4am, cause we don't want to listen to you. yabber on like in a semi-conscious state, <laughs> I make my students do that. Yeah.
0: Well, I think Andrew, you and I can't really contribute to this much because I want to, I think study materials Thanks. make a big difference. <laughs> And the study materials that we use, they're not relevant yeah, no, no. anymore. And, and and I've talked about, I mean, because I, I since I was older, I think this is something that we kind of, you, you could make the connection if you're really paying attention and trying to look for connections between the lines. But we were older when we took it. And so the cost of the exams, the cost of the study materials was not as big a burden as it might be when you were right mm. out of school. Yeah. And so I bought, every reasonable piece of study material I could get my hands on. You know, I even bought at the time it was VHS tapes from these two structural engineers that were, had recorded. They had videotaped like 16 hours worth of seminars mm-hmm. on two eight-hour tapes that went through one was for general structures, one was for long span, which don't exist anymore. And they, on a giant whiteboard, walked through all the math. On, this is how you do it. And I go, I needed those. And they did. They absolutely helped me. Yeah,
2: I uh, I bought lunch twice for my structural engineer. To have him say. <laughs> and like, hey, man, I need some, go over this stuff with me. Yeah. And that was it. That was my study for that as I paid for That's a couple cool. of hour and a half lunches to be like, hey, going to sit down and chat.
0: Well, you know, and I also had the advantage of, I mean, one of the downsides to having to wait so long before you take the test is my structures classes when I was in college were taken sophomore, junior year, so year two and year three. Mm I was in school for six years. It was a five-year degree, but like 207 hours, so not that many people really banged it out in five. And I studied in Europe for a semester, so that kind of delayed it as well. But So I go, I would have been 21 when I took my last structures class, and so six, seven years later is when I'm taking the structures exam, Mm -hmm. during which time I've done zero Zero structures structures work. (laughs) I didn't even remember how to rewrite formulas. You know, what is it? P equals I over E or something like that. And they're like, solve for E. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know how to rewrite that formula. Oh, God. And luckily, my beautiful and talented wife is a math major. And so she taught me. So I didn't have to take my structural engineer out to lunch. I could just <laughs> ask my wife, say. That's handy. It was incredibly handy. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I don't think I ever learned that in college. That would have made college a lot easier. This. <laughs> I think they expected me to already have known. You should already know this. Yeah. And I just didn't. Interesting. So she helped me. So, But I got my hands on every piece of study. In fact, I thought study material was so important that when it was all said and done, I went back to that bulletin board and I said, I have all this material. I mean, I have tons of it. And if you want it, I will give it to you for free. But you have to pay what it cost me to copy it and mail it to you. Which I thought, not that big a deal. Yeah. Like 20 people said, oh my God, I want it. It was like $80 worth of copying. So my little kind of throwaway, I'll be nice, was like four days at Kinko's making copies of this doubles. I mean, it was eight or nine three ring binders. I mean, it was so much material. Right. And so what study materials should people kind of... What did you use? Yeah,
1: so the... The new test, I I guess just to focus on the 5.0, there's always, like I use the Ballast and Kaplan for my 4.0 test just because it's a good, you know, it's a solid resource and they've built up content over the years. But for these new tests, we focused on specific books. Like for the PPD and PDD exam, it's a lot of basics about construction and overall ideas about bringing in systems. And so we use things like the Fundamentals of Building Construction, it was actually a book I got in school for one of my classes. And so I just happened to have it. So I was able to go through it a little bit more. And then there's like Building Construction Illustrated, it's a good one. Building Codes Illustrated for some of the early exams That's in the 5.0. A chain, right? Yeah, a lot of those are really helpful, especially if you're a graphically oriented, which you should be as an architect. But, you know, just tying things visually is a big thing that I need in sort of learning things. And there's another one the Architectural Students Handbook. Oh, well, I can probably link it a little yeah, little is it the Studio Companion? Or no? That's it, Studio Companion. We use that one a lot for the PPD exam. Book. A lot of it's book-based materials. At least Adam and I have been shying away from using some of the ballast and Kaplan because in this transition, they're still learning how to adapt to the new exam and a lot of the content. They've just pulled it in from 4.0. And so we've been suggesting to people to maybe explore these other resource books that they directly list in their guide. I don't know if it's just like Virginia Tech happens to have given out the same books that I use for the exam, but the books are really helpful. And hopefully, everyone, most, for the most part, has these books on yeah, hand you and haven't you know, resold them or burned them or something.
2: Because I still have some of those from when I was in school. I have all the Ching books from when I was in school. Yeah. yeah I have all the Ching books. Volume two or whatever. Now they're in volume right. eight.
0: Okay. So, we're going to put all this information to the best of our ability. Certainly, the links to the study material, the books mm-hmm. that we've mentioned. But I think we should move on to my favorite part of the show. It's still your favorite part. It's still your favorite part. <laughs> it's all our favorite parts. Oh, yes. Maybe not Andrew's, because he thinks I make fun of him too much.
1: What? That's not true. It's no, not true.
0: No comments. It's not true. So we're going to no, do it. No, it's my chance to be wrong there every day. Yeah. You know? uh, it's not true. He's right chance. on every
1: other aspect. Every so. two
0: weeks, it's my chance to be, to be wrong. <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself for that. <laughs> okay, so here we go. So I'm going to put a bow on the ARE chat and say okay. that we know, I think everybody would readily agree that the test is crucial to becoming an architect. Mm-hmm. Like you have to do it. You have to go through this process to become a licensed architect. We all know it's long. We know it's difficult. We know it's stressful, but you have to do it. And you can do it. And you can do it. You can do it. It has to be just, you need Don't to prepare. You can. you can do it. I just believe in you Be prepared. Go in with confidence. And you'll kill it. So, let's get to the hypothetical. All righty. Since Landon's familiar with the concept of the hypothetical question, having participated, I believe, in 10 of them. That's right. Well, not 10. You were on 10 episodes, but maybe only a yeah. handful. I think you guys only did like right. three. Yeah, actually. So, you're still kind of a nobody. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Andrew and I are I get peppered
1: with them on off the mic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll run them up the flagpole, yeah. you know, when Landon was sitting by me. So, even though one of my favorite ones is still when we were stuck in a zoo, your answers Ducks. are just crazy. Can't grab a duck? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to eat a duck. Just going to grab one. Okay, so here's the question. And nobody knows, this is different, because normally I've been passing them out. Right. So that, because if they're a little complicated or involved, I'll let people take a minute to think about it. But before we started recording here, we all admitted that... <laughs> We hadn't seen it, and I had forgotten which one it was. Oh, God. So here's the question. You ready? Everyone ready? No, I'm not ready. <laughs> it's really not that hard. This okay. is not a hard one. You can either live in a small town and be rich or a big city and be poor. There is no traveling outside of the boundaries of that city or small town for the rest of your life. Which one do you choose?
1: Well, I'm just going to say big city.
0: And poor. Uh, and poor. And poor. Yeah, Yeah. poor, which is not necessarily the same thing as destitute, but poor. So you can't say, "Mm, I can go to movies and book. I'm like, no, you don't have any money.
1: So we're drawing a line like poor, like you have very little loose income. No discretionary uh, income to go out on the weekends. And
0: I'll say paying regular like life bills is a struggle. Oh, okay. So it's not only that you don't have discretionary income. You have to be careful just to like make sure that the lights stay on. Okay. Well, Mike, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I it's guess just my
1: <laughs> my initial reaction of saying city is just because I grew up in a relatively small town, but coming to Dallas was a big, exciting city. But you know, there's always things going on, or like there's events, and hopefully there's free events. I would. I'm just trying to think of things off the top of my head, but <laughs> it seems like they're always trying to get they got their hand in your pocket if you want to go out and do something. Obviously, they'll have but, a
0: free, you know, jazz under the stars. Water is eight dollars. Yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> But I just I just feel like it'd be uh, exciting, just in terms of like a lifestyle, finding things to do. There's a life to it, to a city environment. But having the money obviously what, allows more you have other to choose things. Choose one
2: city, correct? It just says pitching okay. one of those
0: options. Yeah, okay. you're either All big right. city and poor, or small town and loaded. Okay,
1: right. loaded like rich. <laughs> Like rich, like, like I have to just explain that to the like. Don't trust the banks to hold your money, rich. Like it's no, all No, You don't have
0: no. Okay. You have you have Barabons rich. Okay. Krugerants and your mattress rich. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you're you're big town. Yeah. No money. Like the free events, you're having to walk there. I'm
1: going to every happy hour possible.
0: There's no money for happy hours. You don't have that kind of money. All
1: right, I'm just your question wedding you probably in hopes of an open bar
0: <laughs> well, evidence would guess. also suggest that, but you have enough money for smokes,
1: oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll be hustling for those smokes,
0: okay, so interesting interesting choice, okay, I'm thinking the fact that you grew up in a small town might have shaded that answer, yeah, a little bit. I can agree Andrew? That. give how me give me the th- right answer, I'm not, but how small is small small. <laughs> Just- I mean, when I like everybody would go. Whoa, that's small town. Like less than a thousand people. Sure, why not? Okay. There's no, there's no movie theater. Okay. There's no, there's Dude, no bookstore. Well, fine, that's fine. There's no I, I, don't, I don't need those things. There's a five and dime. If I have money,
2: I don't need those things. That's right. You're gonna have to order your pate. That's fine. Everything and comes your foie from gras Everything from comes Amazon. from Amazon. That's right. It does now. Drone it in, and so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah, I'm small town rich. It's fine. <laughs> And mainly because, I mean, I grew up in a small town and I actually kind of like that atmosphere. It would be more about i would know i know I'd Know everybody in the town everybody would know me they'd be like hey there's rich andrew da, 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 da. right
0: you know just follow him he's R-A. you know he'll be buying drinks for yeah everybody. right
2: so in the one bar no i think that I, mean, Andrew's I like
0: that bar yeah you just build it <laughs> you have to make your own you build your own movie I, theater. I like that
1: uh, that's another thing you could develop i'm sorry yeah
0: right we didn't get into that you've right. already you've already see you're, you've passed yeah, yeah you're, your answer's in the
2: bank
1: yeah i know if i'm not. rich
0: and i'm in a small town i can build the things that i want that's or little... need or that's right do whatever you might be able to guess that Andrew's got the first... He's got a correct answer. He answered correctly wow. this time. I'll give him that
2: one. But I mean, I just think the wealth offers you the opportunities that you could create your own world almost. Your own reality. It. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm a city guy. I like cities. But if I was in a city with no money, I think it would beat the life out of me. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I just I think it would be hard because I would want to go do those things. Yeah. I think maybe... If you were going to choose a big city like that, I might, even though it's like super expensive, you could choose D.C. because at least all the museums are free, so you could go there all the time. You could say, right. "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go live in D.C." So then, at least there's some culture that you could expose yourself mm-hmm. to that you wouldn't have to pay for. But right, everything else about
0: that is super expensive. So yeah. a small town with all the monies.
2: Yeah, that's well, you my know, choice. I, I, well, here's Seems the, pretty obvious to me. Though. Here's
0: the reason why this question might be more interesting than. It appears at first blush, because it's not really a question about money. Because I think that's what everybody at first pass might think. This is a money conversation. It's not. It really is an introvert-extrovert kind of question. It has to do with like if you're in a small town, you don't have the sort of outreach engagement that you might get if you were in a big town. You know, you don't have the sort of I'm going to go to the this supper club or I'm going to go to this art gallery opening. It's like the kind of width and breadth of society that you might want to engage with that you could in a big town you're not going to have that opportunity in a small town. Small towns kind of suggest that everybody sticks to themselves to a certain extent, even though everybody knows everybody else's business. But I think life in small towns is kind of hard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Well,
2: and I mean, I th- what I, I mean that-
0: that- is it's a work-a-day kind of life. Probably not a lot of white-collar jobs in small towns. Maybe, yeah. Especially fine. since you said a 1,000 people. Yeah. If you're in a town that's a 1,000 people, I don't think that you have a lot of professors and doctors and attorneys and, you know, other bankers kind sure. of white collar job one of each. You got one of those <laughs> exactly people. One. And well, they might be in the next town over or next maybe. five towns over. Maybe it suggests that the vast majority of people that live there either maybe have an agrarian type of lifestyle or they have or they're in a service capacity. Meaning they work at a place like mm-hmm. the plant or something that supports that town. That exists. Or they own the grocery store or they own the. That's right. That they, they, they're, they're office the, or... they're the merchant in the town, yeah. right? The part of the guild. So for me, I would want to live in the small town. One, because I like the idea of not having to be in big groups a lot of times, but I also like the idea of the money. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, No. Cause the thing is, is if I think about what I do in my off time now, My off time now doesn't involve with me like going and doing the museum circuit. Mm -hmm. I used to at one point in my life, and I still do it with some frequency. But if I just look at like the quality of my life and how often I do something, and, and when I have spare time, what do I want to do with that spare time? It's usually holing up.
1: Get away from it all kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Like my idea of like a nice weekend involves floating in the pool, maybe cooking some barbecue, watching some football games. (laughs) <laughs>
2: not not
0: in. not talking to another human
2: being besides right? so my wife and my daughter i
1: think that maybe that's a good argument for the small town though is you have a smaller community but it's like more of a you want a smaller group of very close friends or I acquaintances small town's more like a family in a way yeah they might be blue collar town. but they're not you know, you're not going to have like the giant mathematicians or like
0: look i'm certainly not suggesting a that a i'm not going to interact with the people in my small town because i'm above them and they're work a day that's not <laughs> what i'm suggesting it does. It gets back to that. Right. I'd rather have fewer, deeper relationships than yeah. many shallow, even though I tend to have many shallow at this point. <laughs> because you're either in the circle or you're not. Yeah. And my inner circle is very, very small. Yeah. On purpose. Which suggests that I would do okay in a small town. Sure. Assuming that they you know, didn't Except lynch you. me. I would say, <laughs> other than the fact that they might, yeah, set, you set your house I'd, on fire sometimes. Well, because I'm the rich guy, too. I mean, that would be, that's another kind of... See, Target on your back? No, nah, but for me, though, I'd be, I would be overly generous. Well, we didn't say how rich. Yeah. Right? So you'd have to say, all right, I'm going to live a lifestyle like everyone else. Like, my house is not going to be grandiose. That would be an interesting mm-hmm. kind of... Would you build your own house? Yeah, I would. You but think it wouldn't uh, you think be a 10,000 square foot house. Yeah. It's just not my thing.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't even do if that I, either. Yeah, like even if I won the lottery tomorrow, 180 yeah. some odd million or whatever, I'm not building a big house. A nice house. But I don't need... But would your house have a theater feet. in it? <laughs> Maybe in the basement. <laughs> It'd have to be hidden. Yeah, a giant bunker yeah. system He'd do a underground. compound. Yeah. yeah. It He's would like... just be pull the right book in the bookcase to get into the theater room. <laughs> but that would be it. Other than that, like, imagine. Mean, Slash dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a different book in the movie theater.
0: You have to pull a certain DVD uh, in the pull movie the wrong theater one. to go into the dungeon. Oh, wow. So, do you think somebody answered correctly here today, and somebody answered incorrectly? <laughs> uh,
1: well, y'all just teaming up on me. Now, I think Landon, I think Landon answered poorly. <laughs> I don't that's think fine. that was the no, worst answer that you. there's ever been, though. So no, you're fine. That's yeah, good. Yeah, it, it was an acceptable. It's not answer. like you know grabbing a duck or anything like that. I think
2: there's an appeal to the city, in the sense of what's available, the right. available things that you can do. But the issue with that is eighty-nine point ninety-nine point nine percent of that, right, mm-hmm. takes money.
0: Well, you know, it's the kind of the descriptor on poor versus rich was not clearly defined. So, of course, that's the loophole. So as soon as you say, I'll go do this, my response is you don't have that kind of money. Like no matter what it's going to be, unless we said your household income, you, Rachel, Mm -hmm. you have two children at this point, your household income is $35,000 a year. And then it's incumbent on you to say how I would live and how I would spend my money because
2: it's, yeah, that's a different conversation. It's though. a different
0: conversation because you can say, you know what? I will pay the $119 a year to be a member of the museum mm-hmm. so I can go down there whenever I want and go into the special exhibits because that's important to me. That's how I feed my soul. Yeah. Right. You could still make that work if that's what was important to you. Right. As opposed to this all or nothing kind of scenario that we kind of described that is you're having to walk because you can't even afford bus fare. Right. <laughs> they gotta, get a bike. Jazz under the stars. At least a bike.
1: At least, tell you, I'd be hustling. I'd be doing like card tricks, doing little playing little bongos, three little three card monty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I'm going to call that a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 33, taking the ARE. And we'd like to thank my old buddy and former employee, Landon Williams, for joining us
1: today. That's me. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs>
2: If you liked today's episode, please take the next 30 seconds and head over to iTunes or your favorite listening app of choice and subscribe so that you can get poppin' fresh new episodes automatically downloaded (laughs) to your podcast player of choice every two weeks.
0: While you're there, please leave us some feedback as we'd really like to hear your thoughts on the show. And please leave us a five-star, the test is a lot harder in your mind rating. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from this episode. Also, be sure to stick around until the very end, and we'll attempt to reward you with our version of a blooper reel. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Hasta luego. Adios, muchachos. <laughs> Except
2: it's all new equipment and everything, so much nice know. Now.
1: upgrade when I left. I see how it is.
0: I know. You got, look, that's a shiny new mic stand. New mic.
1: I've already rubbed my dirty hands all over it. New
0: headphones.
1: Man snazzy.
0: Things really I'm took a just... turn for the better once you left.
1: <laughs> oh, <that's> the <laughs> is. Anyway. I haven't told
0: Landon this, but I'm expecting him to put together most of the blog the post. Yeah. Well, no, not the links. Oh. Like, actually write the blog post. <laughs> you didn't know that when you agreed. <laughs> to, you no. thought, I'm just going to sit on Borson's couch for an hour ones. and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's phone just dinged. It's not mine because it's sitting right here. Mine doesn't do that ding.
1: Mine's silent, totally silent.
0: Something from over there is they where just, that ding came the from.
1: Cat's phone, probably.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't do it. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember his name. That's solid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good
2: anecdote. There's this guy that was this thing, and they went on Wikipedia and changed it.
0: Did some <laughs> stuff,
2: and it was different. <laughs> it was different than it was supposed to be. Yeah, it wasn't factual. Popcorn sixty nine. That's a good is, story. What's his username? If you like today's episode, please take the next thirty seconds and head over to iTunes or your favorite listening app of choice and subscribe so that you get You gotta you gotta start reading these before you <laughs> yeah, I know do it's it. all that's all I need. Uh, okay.
0: And see it's changed. I changed. I it. I, changed it. <laughs> I
2: know it. And I keep try- if I read them ahead of time I can ignore it and then put you something just, else in you there. Or you can just say
0: it, you know. <sighs> Huevos con papas. Oh Okay, if you say so. Eggs with potatoes,
2: That's isn't you that is that what I said? Yes, that is
1: what you said. Yes, no. technically.
0: I love eggs with potatoes, however poorly. I didn't say it poorly. I said it spot on. Okay. I'll like, say someone else say huevos con papas. Huevos con papos. There we go. I didn't say it like that. Huevos <laughs> 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 <to some point. laughs> con papos. I didn't say it like that.
2: It was close. I know it doesn't sound that like way coming out of your head, though. It sounds like
0: perfection yes. okay everything make sure you hit that mic as many times as possible <laughs> i mean if we are gonna be Testing. if we're dogpiling and we're gonna dogpile <laughs> that's how this is gonna go okay let's do this all these giants right there yeah that's him <laughs> he is the king of spikes that's nice. your nickname spike like on the street that's the nickname i don't Nick know if spike. you found Little that spike yet. It's <laughs> i haven't seen it yet i Pick thought spike. it was
2: like just you're wrong. I thought that was my king, king of wrong answers. That was my name. No, no, no.
0: Okay, here we go. This is life of. Okay, I won't.
3: <laughs> I was just about to start.
2: See, see what
0: I'm talking about here. Well, okay, that's what I work with.